I would like to introduce Elba Dolan and have her come up and give her a big round of applause. Thank you. Bom dia. Tudo bem? 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 Mal. Bem? Amém. So good to be here. I was, I think this church is getting a little bit of the Brazilian spirit, people clapping and dancing at worship, interacting with God, it's really good, because I remember a few years ago, maybe not a few years ago, 20 years ago, I would come to churches here and I would go, you're so quiet, because Brazilians are loud, isn't it, Chip? If you've been to Brazil, you know what I'm talking about. It's loud. It's crazy. It's good to be here. I love this church. You have great leaders. What you've done uh, to Brazil through your prayer, your support, especially your generosity through the, through the water filter project is amazing. I want to put a picture up there because I want you to see uh, Chip is the only one usually and another person or a few of you who gets to see what you do through your giving. Uh, Philip Yan said, he said this uh, quote that I really love. He said, this is the mission of the Christian, to make visible a God who is invisible. You make God invisible through your giving. You make this God of love and grace and compassion visible to thousands of people along the Marajal rivers in the Amazon basin. What you do is amazing. It's not just saving them from all kinds of disease. It's also touching and transforming them spiritually too. And I would like to thank you so much. You have no idea. And I hope some of you can get to see someday what this church is doing down there through the water filter project. So thank you for giving. Thank you for praying. Thank you for sending your pastor down. We really, really appreciate you and what you do. And I, along these lines, I want to share with you something that's really close to my heart, and I believe it's close to the heart of this church. And if it's not for your own personal heart, I do pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to us today, and he will bring a holy conviction to our hearts this morning. I want to talk today about the foundations of what we do, what you do as you give and as you serve in the kingdom of God. Why, why do we do this? And we're going to look again at one of the most known and probably the second most preached test in the Bible, which is Matthew 28, the Great Commission. So would you please close your eyes and pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, we are your people. We gather here this morning because we want to hear your voice. We want to be moved by your holy presence. Would you come and speak to us? Because we are your people, and we want to hear your voice. Amen. Matthew 28, if you don't have a Bible, you can look up on the screen, or you can turn your, your phone on. Here it says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, 
they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus repeats the word all four times in this text. He's establishing the four fundamentals of the Christian mission. All authority, all nations, all things, all times. The disciples were here in between the death and the resurrection of Jesus. They were between the conviction they knew he had died and the expectation of the resurrection. And in this context, they receive a message through a woman saying, listen, Jesus wants to see you. Go meet him up at the mountain. And verse 17 says that when they saw him, some worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't this the picture of the Christian life? Some days we're just really there, believing it all, but some days we're not so sure. So this shows us that it amazes me because Jesus didn't scold them, didn't call them a bunch of hypocrites. They saw Jesus preaching, healing, signs and wonders, casting out demons. They saw him, Jesus, work miracles. They heard him saying, I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise again. They knew, they saw everything, and yet some doubted. But Jesus doesn't scold them. Jesus doesn't rebuke them. Jesus commissions them. And this is to show us that God not only chooses those that are very strong and convicted, that they know it all, God chooses those that are weak and doubtful, just like you and me, and he strengthened us as we go in obedience. So he said to this group of weak and doubting men, all authority, all nations, all things, all times. Four things. And in the vineyard, one of our distinctive is that everybody gets to play. All in all. Why? Because Jesus said so. Just like mothers say when their kids say, why, mom? Because I'm saying so. Everybody means everybody. Every one of us. Doing nothing is not an option for a follower of Jesus. Amen? That's what Jesus said to them. For all of us, you and me, all authority, all nations, all things, all times. That's what we're supposed to do. So that leads us to the first foundation of the mission. Our mission is authority. We don't do what we do under the church's authority or the pastor, even though we go under the church's blessing and the pastor's blessing. It's not under the apostle authority or the missionary. It's the authority of Jesus. We live under this authority, and under this power we go. Jesus said, all authority. See, the basis of, on the basis of this authority, the church is sent into the world 
to fulfill its mission. Only in the authority of Jesus, it's possible to believe. It's possible to be a believer. It's possible to be a disciple. Only in the authority of Jesus, it's possible to fulfill our God-given mission. Without the authority of Jesus, the church has nothing to say to this lost and broken world. Without the authority of Jesus, we can't approach. How can we approach an agnostic and say, listen, your understanding of life and the universe is wrong because there is only one truth, and that is Jesus. It's the word of God. Without this authority, we can't approach a Buddhist and say, listen, your millennial belief is wrong because there is salvation only in one name, and that's the name of Jesus. Amen. Without that authority, we can't approach this pluralistic, relativistic world like ours, the one we live today, where there's hundreds and thousands of beliefs, religions, and spiritual understanding. And in the midst of all of that, say there is only one truth, one way that brings us closer to the Father, and that's Jesus. That's through his death and his resurrection. You see, the world does not reject Jesus. They say it's fine. I'm happy for you. What they reject is the uniqueness of Jesus, is that he is the only way, Amen. is that he is the one. And unless we have this authority of Jesus, we can't say anything to this world. We need this authority. Without the authority, we can't do anything. All authority has been given to us. And Gary Best says that we were not sent as generals. We are sent as ambassadors. Under this authority... We can go and we can make visible a God who is invisible. I've been following Jesus for about 30 years now. I accept Jesus. I know, I know. You're, you're looking at me saying, you're, you look like you're 20. But actually, <laughs> I am going to be 45 in a few days. Um, but 30 years, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 15 years old. What I've come, what I've realized is that the more I walk in obedience, total dependence, under the authority of Jesus, I get to see amazing things. I get to be a part of this incredible work that God is doing in this world. I get to live this adventurous life that no money can pay. The more we walk, no matter how weak we feel, he will strengthen us as we go in obedience. In the Pauline letters, or the Pauline theology of spirituality, there are seven Christian practices that we must, that must be a part of a, the daily life of a Christian, of a believer. And those sevens are reading the Word, private and public worship, fellowship, walking together with our brothers and sisters, prayer, not just before a meal or not just before we go to bed, but a, a, a life of daily talk, daily conversation with God. Sanctification, seek intensely and intentionally to become more and more like Jesus. Good works, embracing those who are suffering 
and communicating God's love to them. Evangelism, sharing our faith, what God is doing and has done in my life and, and what he's doing in this world, what he's done for us. And these practices of a healthy spirituality should be a part of our daily lives. But it's important to remember that God has all the authority. The church was invested of authority when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. But the authority we get is to do one thing and one thing alone. And that's to serve and to do the will of God. Amen? That's the authority we have. Gary Bass said that Jesus' invitation was never about power and control, but about love and service in our weakness. That's Jesus' invitation to us. We need to know not whether we are capable, but whether we're doing God's will. Not if we're able to make it, but if we're doing God's will. It's not whether we have at all the necessary preparation, but whether we're doing God's will. Because God empowers, encourages, and he strengthens us as we walk our faith out of obedience. Oh, but Elba, you don't know me. I'm shy. Well, God will strengthen you. Well, but... I don't have all the right words like some people do. God will strengthen you. But my college classmates, oh, you have no idea. They have complex questions about the veracity of the scriptures, Jesus, the church. It's very complicated. God will strengthen you as you step out in obedience. And he will give you authority. The disciples were not ready. Have you guys all seen the chosen? Isn't that one of the best part is when Jesus sends them? And they go, what about our class? Where are we going to learn? What do you mean? It's, that's, that's the picture. I love it. They were not ready. They were relatively unprepared. But God empowered them. And strengthen them as they walk out their faith and obedience. And that's the call for you and me too. And that leads us to the second foundation of our mission, which is transformation. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The disciples were, make, were sent to make disciples, not to create a methodology, not to preach about the church or, or our program or, or whatever, but Jesus. Jesus is the center. Jesus is who we promote. It's Jesus that we bring to people. Discipling is leading people into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Discipling is a process of transformation, not of conformity. We are no longer, we're welcome. We say, listen, come as you are, but you're not going to stay as you are because you are going to become more like Jesus. That's what we're doing. Paul Hebert, an American missiologist, you probably have heard of him. He was arguably the, one of the world's leading missiological anthropologists. And he said in his book, um, Transforming worldviews that people are transformed in three different dimensions beliefs, behaviors, 
and worldview. That's what happens when we come to Jesus, when we, we surrender our lives to God. And here's what he said. He says, conversion to Christ must include all three levels, behavior, beliefs, and worldviews that underlie these. Christians should live differently because they are Christians. However, if their behavior is based primarily on tradition rather than Christian beliefs, it becomes pagan ritual. Conversion involves a transformation of beliefs. But if it's a change only of beliefs and not behavior, it's false faith. Conversion may include a change in beliefs and behaviors, but if the worldview is not transformed, in the long run, the gospel is subverted, and the result is a syncretistic crystal paganism, which has the form of Christianity, but not its essence. What is he saying? The gospel transforms our convictions. That's our faith. What we believe, the way we believe. It transforms our attitudes, the way we live. That's our testimony. And our worldview, the way we see the world around us and the way we see ourselves in it. And that's our mission. He calls our attention to the need for good and biblical discipleship. What he saw being developed in India where he was a missionary was a kind of really fast discipleship, shallow. People were attracted to Jesus, but they didn't really know Jesus. They didn't really know the word of God. They didn't really know the gospel. They were not being discipled properly. And then he says that the risk of being a church where people are transformed in their beliefs, in their convictions, but not in their attitude, is the result is a nominal church. And the risk of people being transformed in their belief, people being transformed in their attitude and behaviors, but not in their conviction, results in a legalistic church. Has the appearance of sanctification, obedience, but the hearts are unbelieving. And people who are transformed in their convictions and attitudes, but not in their worldview, resulting in a fruitless church. We don't want to be that. We, the Vayner, are called to be a fruitful church. We're called to be, to imitate Jesus. We're called to live a life that shines Jesus wherever we go. So he says, Paul Hebert said, these are the three dangers of the church world does not have good discipleships. It can become nominal, legalistic, or fruitless. And we need to center the gospel in our lives and in the lives of those who hear the gospel through us. To be effective, Christians must retain their Christ-likeness. If Christians become indistinguishable from the rest of the world, they lose their preservative influence. And the world more and more, probably more now than ever, need Christ. Needs Jesus. You see, the problem, and I think this is a problem everywhere, is that we're so used to living double lives, disconnected lives from what we believe. That for many people, being a Christian just means believing in a handful of 
values and convictions. The founder of the Christianity, Jesus Christ, is the only one who tells his followers that knowing is not enough. You've got to do it too. If you know, you've got to practice. What you know in your head has to come down to your heart and has to get out on your hands, through your mouth, through your body. You've got to embody what you believe. It's incarnational. Believing is also being. My belief cannot be disconnected from my daily practice, from my daily life. Otherwise, I don't know God. Faith cannot be disconnected from our everyday. We don't get to hang our hats when we get out of this door and come back next Sunday. Believing cannot be disconnected from doing. Being a Christian also means having a mission. We have a mission of life to live, and that leads us to the third foundation of our faith or of our mission, which is doctrine. You know, too often we believe that the gospel must be preached out there, outside, to those who do not know Jesus yet. The gospel, the gospel God's message is to those who are outside, out in the world. No, 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 no. The gospel is for us too. It's for the church. It's God's message to the church. We need to know Jesus. We need to love Jesus. And we need to preach Jesus. And we got to know the word of God. That's why he says, teach them to obey everything. See, he first commands them to go and make disciples. Now he's saying here how to make disciples. There is a biblical way to make disciples. And that is teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has taught us. And these commands of Jesus refer, that Jesus refer here at the heart of the gospel. It is believing the gospel, living the gospel, and proclaiming the gospel. We need to teach doctrine. Amen? But I don't know in your country. In my, in my country, people don't want to hear doctrine. They want to hear things that make them feel good. I'm not here today to make you feel good. I'm here today to challenge each one of us, just like I challenge myself with the Word of God, to become more like Jesus. Because we need it. We need to share our personal testimonies. It's wonderful. There is a place for it in an everyday, formal life. People need to hear what God's doing in our life. That encourages, that builds faith. But at the end of the day, what gives us conviction and strengthens our faith is the Word of God. We need doctrine. John Stott said that doctrine is the deep conviction of biblical themes as they are explained in the Word of God and, and as they are applied in our daily life. Paul, <coughs> people always ask me, why why or what does hold the missionary in the field? Since we go through so many difficult trials, barriers, and usually my answer to them is not money. Money, no matter how much or how little, will hold the missionary in the field. It will not sustain. We need money to live, but it's not what sustains us. What is it? What, what holds, what sustains a missionary in the field? Well, it's not the, the people we have praying for us, even though we need them and we need lots of them. It's not 
what sustains eyes in the field, what sustains a missionary in the field, a pastor pastoring, a leader leading, is the conviction that God called us, is the conviction that we know that we're doing what God has called us to do. Recently, I'll get a picture there for you. After 20 years in Altamira, uh, you know, after having built this amazing church pretty much from scratch, Steve came down as a missionary about 21 years ago. And, uh, and the test was if he was man enough to marry me. Because Steve was raised in Columbus, Ohio, and he believed that chickens came out of the fridge. When we come down here, we were just driving, and uh, there's this, you know, pretty fat deer or venison just on the side of the road, and, and they're going, oh, look how pretty, and now I can see his food. <laughs> oh, I can see his food. It's like, the animals that play around here for you, it's food for me. So, so just to, to say a little bit about the difference. But he came down, and we went, we felt that God was calling us to plant this church. It's called the Miranche Church. And we were basically, the, the two couples and a few other people who were part of our group were the only Christians. Also, the ones that were married were the only legally married, too. And we started this church from scratch. We have grew that church to 400 people. We planted five other churches out of there. We build a great team, an amazing team. This church is growing. This church is expanding. It's, it's in a great place right now. And right when it's in a great place, and finally we can kind of rest from all the hard work we did in all those years, the Lord called us to leave everything and start over again. And he called us to a place named Belém, a city, a capital city of our state. And now we're going to start all over again with a team of four, which is Steve, myself, Camille, and Elisa. And right now, the four of us, during the week, Steve will go out because he speaks English and he's a novelty in our community. He can't open our mouth and they all know he's an American. Uh, we go out and we intentionally make connections. I am a person, I am very intentional. I don't meet a, a person who is not a believer that I'm not thinking how I can connect that person to Jesus. So he goes out, makes connection. I bake cake, and that's my joke right now. I'm planting a church with banana cake. And we invite people over for coffee and for food. Everybody likes food. And they come over to our house, and we invite them to our small group. And we all, Saturday is a busy day for us. We clean the house, we set up chairs. Uh, Camille is part of the worship. They both do children. Steve cooks. I prepare the sermon. And they come to our house. See, these people where we are right now, they don't, they don't have needs. Where we were for 20 years, we were, we, we were the main resource for everything. Medicine, food, name it. With these people, they don't need us like that. Actually, we're the very poor missionaries planting a church 
in a rich community. But they need Jesus. They, are, they have everything and nothing at the same time. Do you know what I mean? They're empty and shallow and alone. They need friendship. These people come to our house. We have about 25, 30 people now. They come to our house 6 in the afternoon, and they don't leave until 10, 10, 30 p.m. Camille is the first one to leave. She gets people out. And um, it's the most amazing thing. The Lord has placed this vision in our heart for, for Vineyard Brazil, for, for the movement. It's a huge vision that goes way beyond us, our capacity, our finances, our gifts and our abilities. We depend everything on him again. And everybody, when we talked to you about leaving out the meat and leaving the Mirante church, they would say, are you crazy? Are you guys crazy? I mean, you're going to Belém. Belém is very violent. It's, you know, but actually, Altamira, the city we were in, we were always being ranked number one most uh, violent in the country. And uh, how can you leave all this? How, how can you do that? I mean, most, most pastors, you know, when they do something like that, now, now you're going to enjoy it for the, for the next few years. You guys are crazy. And I'm like, yes, according to the world definition, yes, we are crazy. But what moves us and keeps us is the conviction of what we know about God and what he's called us to do. Our great commitment is not with the building. It's not with the structure. We have a great commitment to the great commission. That's what I'm committed with. And this promise, and that leads us to the next foundation, which is the last one, is the assurance of God's promise. Why we do what we do? Because he said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always. And this promise changes everything for us. Changes everything. He's with us Every day, all times, Jesus is saying to the disciples, there is 11 of you. I know. One left. He's gone. And I am sending you out to evangelize the world. But I don't want you to just evangelize them. I want you to make disciples of them. And this can't be done fast, quickly. It takes time. you got to go slow. You must teach them to obey everything I have taught you. For 11 people to go into the world, evangelize, make disciples, that was a mission impossible. What Tom Cruise does is nothing. <laughs> this is an impossible mission. But he said, I'll be with you. That's all you need. I am going to be with you. The presence of Jesus is the only thing he promised, and that's all we need. He will provide what we need as we walk in obedience. It doesn't matter what you're facing right now or what you're going to face tomorrow. What matters is if Jesus is with you. It doesn't matter how safe you feel. If God, God's presence is with you, if he's not with you, you're not safe at all. It doesn't matter how comfortable you feel. If God's presence is not with you, you're not comfortable at all. And you shouldn't be. And if you are, there's something wrong. 
So when people said to me, are you crazy? My response to them, to them was, no, no, no. I would be crazy if I didn't say yes. I would be crazy if I remained in here just because of comfort. I would be crazy because now we got to humble ourselves all over again and start setting up chairs, cleaning up, doing everything. I would be crazy not to go. I would be crazy to stay here and not do what calling, God's calling us to do. I would not be happy. You see, people ask me this all the time because I married an American and they just can't believe. Why don't we move here? Why don't, this is a safe place. This is, I mean, and it is. Trust me, we come here and we just go, man, this is so clean. This is also clean. This is also organized. People are very kind and very gentle, very generous. If you feel safe. But I would never feel safe here unless God called me here. You're safe where God's called you to be. You're happy where God's calling you to be. And if you're doing what God's calling you to do, that's what brings safety and happiness and joy. And that's where I want to be. No matter how crazy it looks, if God's there, you are fine. You see, I believe that many of us have robbed ourselves and others from an incredible adventure of faith. I like to joke that there's things, and a friend of mine too, there's things that only missionaries or billionaires can do. You choose. Since I'm not going to be a billionaire, I'm a missionary. You get to do and be a part of what God's doing in this world, and it's amazing. But we have robbed ourselves because of probably a misunderstanding of what's our calling, our role in the body of Christ. Others, you know, might believe that this is just for some special people. Others simply because they don't want to give up their lives, their comforts, their agenda, and embrace God's agenda, what God's doing for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of men, what God's doing in the world today. You see, and I'm going to close what makes Jesus and made and makes him the greatest leader of all times is that he came, is that he gave his life to the Father. As a living sacrifice, he gave it all. In weakness and humility, he came. And he died on the cross so that you and me could be restored to a relationship with the Father. You know, sometimes people say, I don't understand why, why Jesus had to die all this you know, blood and, and the cross and everything. I mean, why? Doesn't God love us, everyone? Why would I serve a God who did not give himself for me? That his love cost him nothing. Why? To love me, Jesus gave his life. He died on the cross. He died my death. He paid my debts. He is the Savior because he did for you and me what we can't do for ourselves. We can't save ourselves. And no other God in any other religion has ever done what Jesus has done. Never, ever. And no one will ever do. And for that reason, he deserves my all. But he doesn't use his power to force us. He kindly invites us into a personal relationship with him. 
That in itself is already amazing. You see, I was a 15-year-old born in the jungle with no hopes for a life. Girls my age and my family, my community, by the age of 14 were already pregnant, having many kids, getting beat up by the drunk husband or not husband, boyfriend when he came home. No, no one got married. And I would look around all that and I would say, there must be a life somewhere else. Girls must have a better life somewhere else. Well, I found the better life. I found Jesus. I found Jesus, and he changed my life. And that was already amazing. But then when I found out that he was inviting me to be a part of what he's doing in the world, that just blew my mind, and I could not resist it. You see, probably you're here today, and if you like... You don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. You're not having a personal relationship yet with your creator. In a moment during ministry time, we're going to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life, to start a relationship with him that will change your life, not just for here, but for eternity. What Jesus offers us is incredible. Is amazing. Forgiveness, love, life, eternal life. It's incredible. For some of you today, that's your first step of the journey, of this amazing journey, is to surrender your life to Jesus, to invite him into your life as your Lord and Savior. Some of you already did that. You've, you've done that first step of the journey, but maybe you're not living the life God you know God wants you to leave, and you're not doing that. You don't feel like you're living the way you should be. You haven't made that connection between what you believe and you feel and what you do out in mission. You have separated them. You kind of separate your life Sunday from Monday. I'm gonna, we're going to ask you to come and stand as well. You see... I believe, and we believe, that in the kingdom of God, everyone gets to play. That's not the question. Jesus invited us all in for all things. So that's not the question. The real question is, are you playing? Are you playing? And if you sincerely can look at your heart and your life and you say, well, I don't think I am. I don't think I am full in. Not the way Jesus has commanded us. I also would like to invite you to respond during ministry time and let the Lord come and connect these dots in your life so you can live the full life that Jesus called us to do. Amen? Amen. Can we do that, Chip? Bless you.